We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am so excited to have Joshua DeSmider on the program today. He is the proud principal of Shrevewood Elementary in Falls Church, Virginia. He has worked in education for 15 years in Detroit, Washington, D.C., and now in Virginia. Josh is currently in his eighth year as an administrator in Fairfax County Public Schools, and he leads with the three core beliefs of family, excellence, and relationships at the forefront of his work. Josh has taken Shrevewood Elementary School from a 54% engaged school community to a 94% engaged school community in just three short years by instilling a culture of joy. He is currently a finalist for FCPS's Outstanding New Principal of the Year Award, and by the time this comes out, he may very well be (laughs) the Outstanding New Principal of the Year. So, Josh, welcome to Transformative Principal. Yeah, it's an honor to be here, Jethro. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, I, lo- I love the, the last part. You're pumping me up a little bit there. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't always get that pumping up. So it's good when somebody <laughs> else is willing to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I want to talk. So first of all, I, I like telling people how we got connected. Um, you are doing a program called Cultured Kids. And yeah. um, we had Michelle on the podcast, episode 476. So we had her on and she talked about uh, Cultured Kids, which is this program that she's doing. You have adopted it in in your school. And so that's that's awesome. And it helps kids understand culture and, and all of that. And you, you are the principal of this school that you've instilled a culture of joy. Talk to us about what that culture of joy is. Yeah, it's. At our school, you know, when I when I became the principal here, 
um, you know, I, it was my first year as a principal coming out of, um, you know, being an assistant principal and just being excited. I always think about uh, the analogy of, of the handcuffs coming off and you have all these creative ideas and, um, you know, it's, it, I had so many things that I wanted uh, an elementary school to be, uh, a work environment to be and, and thought of it should be. And I always think about, you know, Sunday afternoon, you're getting ready for Monday and, and, and Jethro, you and I talked about this before, but it's, it's that you start to think about the Sunday scaries and what, you know, I have to get up and go to work tomorrow. And wouldn't it be great to, to work in an environment where you didn't feel like that, where you're excited to go and, um, and to be there every day and, and to be around kids or to do something that you, um, you love so much. And uh, when I got the principalship, I, I thought what a wonderful opportunity to, to, to try to accomplish this. And um, so we, we have worked over the last three years of you know, hiring quality candidates who instill family excellence in relationships and who have those uh, core beliefs uh, in their answers when we interview them and uh, when we have discussions with them. Um, so that, you know, they love what they do and they love being around the kids. And um, so it's, it's, it's the positivity, it's uh, modeling, uh, it's the consistency, you know, the power of showing up every day uh, and doing it with a smile on your face and, um, and just, just being happy with what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's all well and good, Josh. I like that. That's great. But that that doesn't really create a culture of joy. So there's right. got to be something more to it than just not dreading coming into work. Like I hate that idea of, oh, it's Monday and hallelujah, it's Friday. Like yeah. that stuff just drives me crazy because then you're mm -hmm. just living for the weekend. And if right that's a very small amount of your time. It's, it's so much better to really love what you're doing every single day. And having been someone who's been there most of my career, I can see when mm -hmm. I wasn't there, how awful it really was for me. And yeah. I, I think, I think the question I'm really getting at here is what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis to help people feel like what they're doing at work really matters and gives them meaning mm -hmm. and is, is something they can have joy in? Yeah, it's, it's a number of things. And I think that it's, it's the individual conversations that you have with, with each person and, and taking advantage of, of being a really, really good listener and, um, you know, learning about who they are so that you can help them grow as, as leaders in the building and, and to instill, um, you know, leadership upon other people that they interact with day in and day out. So I see it as like, those individual conversations that you have, the one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, where they come to you and they're looking for advice and you're listening and you're, um, you're, you're, you're really hearing uh, where the problem is and then you help it, you're helping coaching them through uh, how to get to the answers of those, of those problems. And then managing the message. It's, it's, it's surrounding yourself with people who I've heard this before, who are smarter than you at times and 
that can can manage the the message uh, in our building of of a growth mindset and um, continuing to learn and get better and reframing conversations that they would have with individuals and it just trickles down um, and then so and then also their level of consistency we we met today in a um, we call them the professional development team it's a core team that i meet with uh, on the regular um, bi-weekly one-on-one meetings and then um, we meet as a team monthly uh, and it's it's being able to continue to influence others around you to instill that culture of joy. So it's just, I, I believe, to answer your question, it's the individual conversations that you have with people um, and then developing the leaders around you to have and empower them to have those individual conversations of, of, um, of positivity and, um, and leadership. Yeah. So I, I liken it to, um, I had a leader one time, uh, named Larry Lawrence, who whenever I wanted to talk to him, I felt like I was the only person that he was overseeing, but there were like 150 other people that he was in charge of, but he always made me feel like I was the only one that mattered. Like I was the only one that, who had these concerns, even though, you know, I was young, early leader, I didn't really get a lot of things about leadership back then. I still have a Mm -hmm. ton to learn, but that was one thing where I always felt like, man, he, he cares about me specifically more than he cares about anyone else, especially in the moment that I'm with him. Um, would you, how would you respond to that? Yeah. I've only met like five people like that in my entire life, but like (laughs) you said, you never forget it. Right. And you, you want to, and I think that's, that's a skill that you can learn, but it also is, you, you have to be very observant in that way. And, and I think that once you feel it from somebody, you want to figure out how to take a second, take a second, take a step back and whoever walks through that door, provide them with all of your intention, all of your attention and make sure that, um, that they know that you care about them. And that, mm-hmm. that's not easy at times when you have all these other things that you're thinking about through a day. And, um, you know, it's, it might be a small move of stepping away from your desk, behind your desk, to go sit with them at the table um, when they come in. So, you know, it's, it is to go back to listening and to, that's hard at times because I want to insert my voice in certain meetings and there's the weight of what you say as well. Um, but, but I've had to learn through, (laughs) through feedback from other people and other administrators that, that the timing of inserting your voice into really the power of listening. And that can go a long ways, especially when you're trying to help somebody feel like they're the most important person when they come in and that whatever they're dealing with is the most important thing at that time to you. Yeah. Even when it's not right. And right. even when they're complaining about something that is completely, completely ridiculous and we should not even be wasting our time with it, it matters enough to them. And you have to, you have to let them know that it matters. Even if you think this is ridiculous, I'm not going to follow this. Um, I'm not going to like pursue anything with this because it's a waste of everybody's time. It still right. matters to them. How do you manage those situations when somebody brings something that is just 
completely ridiculous to you, but very valuable to them. I think getting multiple voices, you know, and perspectives through that idea and, um, you know, really helping them understand the impact of what it would have on our school and, and always tying it back to the mission and vision of our school uh, and our three core beliefs, the family excellence and relationships. Um, the one thing that's really important and I think has provided uh, I would say access to me at all times is just the the communication with that you know if my doors open walk in and, and you know I've heard this open door policy but but then it doesn't work you know like there is you know um, the principal would not be available and you can't get to them you got to get on their schedule and things like that we give out our work cell phones, both my assistant principal and myself. And, and we say, if you can't get a hold of us, you know, text us, you know, set up a meeting with, with the AA to get on our calendar. If the doors open, walk in. So access is part of that, them, them knowing that if there is an issue or something going on or um, they need us, that they can get to us. And that creates the, the, the trust and that you want to hear what they have to say, no matter what you're saying, like, you know, um, that if it's if it's not a great idea, and I think we we honor the fact that all ideas are important because it could be you know one out of ten could be a really really great idea in that situation. So you know we we listen, and then part of it is we go back and if it's if it's something that I think fits where we we're going as a school and and it and it fit and aligns with our mission and vision then um, we take it to our leadership teams and, and get the perspective from uh, we call it the parliament team it's our team leaders we have one uh, one grade level um, team leader for each grade and and they get the rest of the voices from uh, their team and bring it back to the table to see if it fits where we're going as a school so we can stay hyper focused on our goals and to make sure that it doesn't derail um, the level of consistency that we need day in and day out. Yeah, I, I, I like that approach because it, it gives everybody an opportunity to express what's going on, but then it also um, gives them an, uh, a way to know that they're getting a response, a way to know what that, that they're being heard by having a leadership team. you have more than just a leadership team can you break down the the different leadership teams that you have in your school yeah when i um when i first came on um i wanted a core team i read um what book was i reading um taking action is what it was called taking action okay. multi-tiered systems of support um is what the book is called and we talked a lot about and through my experiences there had been small core teams, whether it's like a reading specialist or a instructional coach, and there would be their principal and the assistant principal and then one other member. Uh, in my experiences in other schools, and uh, when, I, when I got the job here at Shrevewood, became the principal, I knew I wanted a core team, but I didn't want to call them the core team or the leadership team. And, and through my experiences before, it was that if we called them the leadership team, then other people in the building thought that they were above them. And I wanted to figure out a way, and the interim principal at the time, 
uh, Dwayne Young and I both collaborated on, well, why don't we, what do you really want them to be able to do? And, and I, and I would say, well, help me make key decisions, you know, on instruction and our approach together as a, in a, in a, as a building and to help provide that professional development at times. And he's like, why don't you just call them the professional development team? And I thought that that was a great idea. And then I started to get to know key members in the building. And I was like, wow, there is a lot of really, really smart people and talented people in our building. And I met our technology specialist, um, Kim Pasca. Her name is Kim Negro at this time. Um, she, she's just an amazing leader, somebody that I think that should be an assistant principal or principal someday. She's a good facilitator. Uh, we have uh, Nadine Zorba, our ESOL lead, our reading specialist, instructional coach, the list goes on and on. So we had nine members on this team and they're equally talented people that brought something to the table when we were collaborating around how to make key decisions. And at the time, our building um, needed a lot of help and a lot of focus and structure. And I needed their voices in the room and so we use that team as our core team to make some really, really key decisions or ideas. And, you know, we do turn around professional development with this team. And then I wouldn't say underneath them, I would say in alignment with them, we have our parliament team, which we call it the parliament team. It's a funny name. We call it the parliament team because it's a group of wise owls and our, our uh, mascot is owls. So we, we wanted to call it something different uh, just to be unique. And, um, and because team leaders in Fairfax County before was more of a liaison type position. You, you as the principal would give this information to team leaders and they would all take it back to their team and some would interpret the information or uh, you know, give the information to their team with only what they wanted to hear. And I would be sitting in those meetings like, no, I didn't say that. That's not what I wanted to come across. So we ended up uh, coming up with a system to where they would apply my, in, in going into my second year, would, that they would apply, uh, teachers would apply to become a parliament team lead. And they would, we, we would um, do some turnaround training with them and uh, build their leadership. Um, and then also they would do some facilitation for their collaborative learning team. So uh, there's two basically kind of equal teams that we use the parliament team to get multiple voices. And then we use the professional development team to do more turnaround training, professional development, managing the message. They're just strong leaders in the building that can help coach more coaching of leaders into leaders. So it's just a trickle down effect and it's had tremendous impact on the rest of our teams and um, them being that team, the professional development team is always there to support collaborative learning teams in some way. Mm -hmm. So then you have the collaborative learning teams as well, right? And so yeah. we'll talk about yep. those in just a second. But first I want to talk about your taking action book by Mike, yeah. Mike Matos and Buffum, Austin Buffum. Yeah. And yeah. also I read uh, that book several years ago very much influenced how I was doing things. And episode 100 of this podcast talked about those, the things that I implemented. And that's um, in the show notes, transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 100. Uh, because what we're able to see is that we could really 
if we did things right, we could really manipulate our day to meet the needs of our kids, manipulate right. teacher schedules, student schedules, and do it all in the service of supporting kids. And as you take that approach, it really changes what you're doing and allows yeah. you to be creative in ways that you didn't think that you could otherwise. So let's talk about your collaborative teams as well, because that's now a third group of teams in your school. And what I like about all these different teams is that it's giving everybody a an opportunity to have access to a leadership voice rather than it just being the principal and assistant principal or, or something very hierarchical and, and siloed that um, that you're getting because there's there's a lot of so talk about the collaborative teams so yeah each grade level team so the grade level teams are the collaborative learning teams and they meet twice a week uh, and we call them our CLTs uh, and we meet once for math once for language arts and then they would have the other three days for planning and most of the times those CLTs they end up being CLTs that meet every day, basically, yeah, yep. <laughs> um, but they're not driven and supported by our professional development team. So when I first came on, the CLTs were um, guided by our instructional coach uh, just because I wasn't able to be in those CLTs every day because we were restructuring how we operate as a school. And I was just really learning about all the other areas in our building uh, and to be honest with you, completely overwhelmed at that time with, yeah. <laughs> with just getting to know everybody, community members and everything. So, uh, you know, I said to our instructional coach at the time, you're going to drive these CLTs. But now um, our instructional coach ended up moving on to an assistant principal um, position um, in Fairfax County. She got promoted and through her uh, knowing that she was going to move on, we started to help uh, our parliament team members um, which, which basically are our team leaders, um, become leaders to facilitate these CLTs, which she was doing before. So, um, you know, we're moving away from the instructional coaching model here at Shrevewood and um, are, because we have such a strong professional development team to support the instructional needs of these CLTs and to guide and, and uh, probe the thinking on challenge of thinking at times, um, and help them stay consistent in these meetings and to not uh, veer off and just um, pace, but they're looking at data and they're analyzing data and they're looking at, you know, bringing students up to the multi-tiered systems of support team that also focuses in on academic and behavioral needs. So um, we meet, to come back to the question, we meet twice a week for CLTs and then, but they usually get together every day. And they're really consistent now on the structure of our CLTs. And um, it's in a really, really good place where we can get creative with the, the staffing that we had from our instructional coach to do other things with, for sure. Yeah. So the last thing that I want to ask you about um, is related to the 54% um, engaged school community to a 94% engaged school community. How do you measure yeah. that? And what does that actually mean? So we have a K-12, so as, as administrators, you, you, we have a staff engagement survey that goes out. It's supposed to go out yearly, it didn't go out last year, it went out my first year. And based, that baseline data of 54% engaged community, it's around how we interact with each other. The, they, they ask, I think it's about close to 50 questions. They ask it to our entire staff 
And it's all the things that we've talked about, like, does the principal give you access? Uh, it's about our environment in general. Do, do they have leadership opportunities? Do they have um, a voice in decision-making? Um, you know, does the school have a vision? You know, all of those questions, uh, you know, is the community involved in, in what we do as a school? Are you naturally happy when you come to work? Are you, um, you know, do you have, are, do, you, do your colleagues value you as a person? Like all of those questions, that those are just a couple examples, but the list goes on and on. And um, the county looks at, you know, we do it, we're supposed to do it yearly, but uh, we'll get one this year as well. But it's, you know, we look at being able to look at that baseline data, which was 54% engaged before I came on, and then to receive the data. And I obviously know because I'm so new that naturally a building is going to, because of the new ideas and the new structure, go up in percentage, but I just didn't think it was going to be that high. Um, and we want to continue to stay up in the 90s and the upper 90s. That's going to really tell if, um, if we're doing a fantastic job as a school community, uh, if we can uh, consistently stay engaged um, together and find creative ways to instill that culture of joy. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we saved that question for the end because it shows that all the things that you're doing are leading to this success indicator as a lagging indicator in another area. That's something that you don't measure every week to see how it's going, but it's something that shows over time as a positive force in the right direction. So, mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate the final question I asked Josh is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? I would, that's a, that is a, that is a loaded question, Jethro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the loaded question. Uh, I would just say, be a learner every day, you know, find something that you can learn from somebody in your building, I learned from students. I'm learning uh, from community members and our staff. I think that that's just know that be focused in on, on just just being a learner. I mean, good leaders and good educators learn every day, and um, you know I I think that that's that's super important. You know to continue to want to get better and 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 just learn from each other and adjust and reflect and refine. All of those things are important, but I would say being, being a learner, that's the one thing that I continue to focus in on. Yeah, very good. I, I think that's great advice, and you've really shown that today, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Jeff. It's been an awesome experience. Yep, I agree. Thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, 
check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.